Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pop Life, a new TIR Presents show where we're going to take a deep, more fun dive into different aspects of pop culture, movies, and of course, something I spent a long time doing, music. Sometimes I will be joined by my co-host and good friend, who some of you might remember from our recent Woodstock 99 episode, Pasqual Romero, who has a very storied history in music and film. Don't forget, if you like what you're seeing or hearing, please hit like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you know whenever we go live. Like I always say on the main show, we're constantly adding new shows to the channel, so hit that bell so you can stay notified. Before I bring in our guests, I have to remind you guys that we are doing our first ever live show in Los Angeles, the Terragram Ballroom, in conjunction with Give Them an Argument and Left Reckoning, the trifecta of independent left media. Wherever you are hearing this show, there are links in the description. October 23rd, Terragram Ballroom. We look forward to seeing you there. Uh, I will be there with Deep State Cuba, C. Derek Varn, Daniel Bessner, Anna Kasparian, Nando Vila, of course, Ben Burgess, Matt and David of Left Reckoning. You know, you all might also know Matt from Majority Report, and there's even more people uh, that are agreeing to come on the show as well. So it will be a fun uh, event. I'll do more impersonations of Ben's disapproving father, which I love doing <laughs> so much. Now, some of you may know my guest today as a TIR contributor uh, many of you watching might be fans of his YouTube channel, Toy Galaxy. I am a fan. I am a subscriber. Uh, also, if you're unfamiliar with Dan's work, there are links in the description to this show to his YouTube channel so you can uh, watch what he does and subscribe. I implore you to become a subscriber. You won't be disappointed. I wanted to talk to Dan uh, today. This is pre-recorded. Uh, a man who does a show about pop culture of the 80s and 90s. About nostalgia, why do we embrace nostalgia? Is it a healthy attachment, or does it give us a false sense of comfort? Please welcome my friend and host of Toy Galaxy, the Dan Larson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ever, have I ever told you like how chill your voice is? Like, it's just so soft and like. <laughs> I know that the stuff we talk about and the stuff we discuss, like it's all important, you know, it's like all there's urgency and impact and weight and stuff, but I'm just like, you make it sound so nice. <laughs> that's, that's what you have to do. You have to bring, I'm trying to build cadre here and you yeah. can't do it. Like the stuff like, can be stressful, but you don't sound stressful. <laughs> trust me. There, there are tears when this, when this goes off, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your uh, your general just the vibe. <laughs> Side note, um, I just finished the longest video essay script I've ever done. It's feature length, and not doesn't end on a high note. I always try to end on a high note, like you have to end on a high note, and I was like, I can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. There's no high note to hit. On. Well, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about, I guess. You know, if you're just talking about the Ninja Turtles or something, you know, you could have gone out high or whatever. But <laughs> if it's you know what I'm deep. talking about, pro wrestling. Okay. And media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pro wrestling can get ugly. 
I actually have a whole part about the Montreal screw job if you're a wrestling fan. So Just I'll, you know, I'll send you the trailer. I, you know, I don't know anything about it. I guarantee everything you know, it's 99% of it, I don't know. But what I do know is just ugly and just, you know, uh, unlicensed and people not getting paid and people getting hurt and hurting themselves. Just, just ugly. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's more, you know, look, I didn't take like a deep wrestling because you, you, as, as you know, with what you do, depending on how deep you want to go, there's always that one person goes, you forgot this. You didn't mention this. Yeah, I'm just yep. using it as a metaphor. Yep. <laughs> for 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 media, but I I tried to kind of dive a little deeper than one would think about Vince McMahon, but we won't we won't get into that. Let's. I want to talk to you about something that you talk about. Um, why I'm drawn to what you do, and I've actually I watched some other shows because of you. Uh, um. A lot of the guys, the the toy shows. I I actually love the toys from the the 80s. I won't say the 90s. It's mostly the 80s for me, and definitely have a love affair for the cartoons of that era. Um, and you tackle all of that, and then you even throw in some of the TV shows and some of the movies that would have been marketed to towards like our age group. Yeah, in the 80s and 90s. Um, what made you decide you and Greg decide one day to go, we talk about this enough in the break room. We talk about this enough on the weekends. Let's actually start filming these conversations. You know what? It's funny because, uh, he, the, the stuff that we initially talked about, he and I did not talk about any of it at all, period. You know, we, when we started out, we were just an action figure review channel. Uh, and Greg, if, absolutely doesn't care about action figures at all greg just wants to be the guy he just wants to be the guy making the videos you know he wants to get the the footage put it in put all the funny cuts in you know cut uh, edit the video that's that type of stuff he wants to make films uh and i i was coming at it from a place of lifelong toy collector uh you know mm-hmm. i was a, a toy dealer for several years around the time that we were starting the channel so i just had this you know, massive trivia and information and experience, you know, it's the old write what you know, and and that's everything I was interested in. That's everything I knew. So, you know, he needed somebody who who wanted to sit in front of the camera and talk about stuff. I wanted to sit in front of the camera and talk about stuff. And it just, it worked out great. Uh, And as, as we made more and more videos, the, the longer we did it, you can only do the same thing, you know, so many times before you say, I, I got to mix this up. Just the, the viewers are going to get bored. I'm getting bored. Like we have to change things. We have to evolve. We have to grow. And, you know, more and more, I didn't want to just talk about like, this is how the elbow bends. This is the pain apps are a little weird. And he comes with this sword and I like his cape, you know, it's like we wanted to get into to more of the stories. So we start putting more in that's more about like, Here's here's where this figure came from. Here's where the mythology came from. Here's what the designers were thinking. Here's the context of when this thing came out. And what we found was, you know, being data driven uh, on a certain end. Part of it is passion driven, but some of it's data driven. <laughs> and on that end, you know, viewers were responding to that. That's what they wanted to see. They wanted to hear more about that stuff because there's so many people out there that are saying, here's how the elbow bends. Here's what color his sword is. Here's how his cape works. You know, it's like if we, if we wanted to differentiate ourselves and put our own voice in there, we, we had to go where we, where our interest was. And, and that's sort of how the channel started to evolve into being more about, you know, the questions I was asking myself, 
uh, th that's where I start when I when I write scripts for the show. It's it's what what do I want to know about this thing? I I know what I remember about this show from 1984, but what do I want to know about it now? How, what do I want to know about like wh why was military the theme? Why was you know at this particular time you know the the sort of evolution of that brand you know, GI Joe for instance? Why why was that a thing? How did that happen? And and who were the people behind it? What were their motivations? The the person who designed the costume was thinking one thing, but you know the corporate executive was thinking a completely different thing. And what were the sort of market and and cultural conditions that allowed that thing to happen at that time? You know, every single one of these these videos we make, I, I have that urge to say, and this is the only time in history that this could have happened like that. But but it's true, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. You need everything that came before it in that particular moment to to deliver that kind of thing, and that's that's what what drives Greg and I now. It's you know we're a two person team, myself and producer Greg, and that's what drives us now is is trying to find those interesting stories that that are deeper than just six year old kids wanted toys. We had an interesting idea, and so we made toys. You know, there's there's always more to it than that. Uh, and that that's what keeps me interested in, in trying to find new things to talk about. It is interesting because I was scared. I've, I think you had done. I watched. Oh, what episode was that? Then I watched it. You guys, I think it was maybe the third Robotech episode that you guys had did. And I, oh, I remember. Five, yeah. Were, <laughs> well, yeah, you have five now. Right. And And I was like, my fear is that. There's only a finite amount of stuff. And then you had done a whole episode on like, I think it was a, a, a book that got released of the early script drafts of Star Wars. And I was like, I'm not worried about these people. Like I was there was like five minutes. <laughs> I was legit like, what if they run out of stuff? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I'm like, F it. They're, I'm not worried about these people. They're, no, we worry about that for a while. You know, uh, we have what we call the list. And it's, you know, early on, we, we put the list together to be able to track, you know, what, what things we had covered and what things we still needed to cover. Because as much as I know, as much as Greg knows, you know, there's there's things that we didn't see that we've never heard of that people are, are passionate about and that play into the different properties that we talk about. Uh, so we started a list that we just, you know, it's in the cloud and we both add to it and take things off as we cover them. Um, and, you know, some of that is is viewer requests. Uh, some of that is uh, things that we just come across in researching other things like, oh, this this person also did voices on this show and on this show and on this show. So if they're not on the list, add them to the list because we were that paranoid. Like we're doing, you know, two sh at the time we were doing two shows a week for like mm -hmm. five years. You know, so that's that's you burning through first week. You already took out the top 10. You know, you get Transformers is done. G.I. Joe's done. Master of the Universe is done. It's like, where do you go after that? Where, where do you go? From there? You can't keep running the show on Air Raiders, you know, like <laughs> who cares? <laughs> so well, and that's another. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny that you say that because I don't think people understand um, that we are to a certain degree driven by clicks but i feel like you guys aren't because of that need for content but also more stuff came out in our era than i ever imagined yeah your air raiders and like ring raiders and sky lark people all 
It's like there's no way in the world, Dan. Sky Surfer Wait. Strike Force, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's no way in the That's world. That's not real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. But it was, a, it, yeah, no, we were, it was, it was stressful for a while there, you know, and, and we, what we realized was that we were leaving a lot of stories on the table, you know, to, to say, here's our Thundercats video. Uh, and to try to cover everything from day one of Thundercats to whatever happened yesterday, like mm -hmm. we can break that up, you know, and instead of just getting one Thundercats video, we can say, here's the original series. Here's the, you know, the, the 2010 or 2012 reboot or whatever it was. Here's Thundercats roar. Here's the, whatever, you know, we can break those things out. We had one video that we had put up at one point that was, um, you know, Spider-Man on television, yeah, and it was every single Spider-Man. I spent days writing that thing. I didn't sleep for like two days. I was so stressed out because we had to shoot it. The thing was like 45 minutes long. And that was the video that made us say, what are we doing? We're, we're stupid here. Like we could have gotten eight videos out of this instead of just one. So, you know, Greg, it was up for maybe a year. And then Greg took the video down and we broke it up. And, and now we haven't even touched, you know, three quarters of the stuff that was in that video because we broke it all out. <laughs> Well, you, you kind of have to. I mean, you made a comment about Voltron on one of the Voltron episodes you've done because there is 15 different Voltrons, not just as someone who's spent some time living in Japan knowing that <laughs> these were all <laughs> uh, Frankensteined from yeah, other yeah, things. Yeah. And if you remember the original intro to that show, it showed like four different things. It was the more liony looking lions with like main robots and then the lions that we know and then the 1500 cars and ships one yeah yeah die runner yeah <laughs> it's an outer space and then there's the like um, stacked one with like six arms or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad gladiator voltron or something like that yeah, yeah I, was, I like when is the other one gonna come out and you know i wasn't you know as, as lucky lucky yeah. inverted quotes as you uh to to see some of that stuff uh live in japan uh but you had made a comment in that one where you said the reboot of voltron i think it was on netflix you were like this is the voltron that you thought the original one was yep and that's what really started opening my mind to this idea of nostalgia yeah, no, it's it's when you hear people talk about these things today, you know, the people who saw it when when you first everything is the coolest thing you've ever seen when you're 10 years old because you haven't seen anything yet, <laughs> you know, so every the first transforming robot you see, whatever brand it's from, you just like that's the coolest thing I've ever seen because I've never seen a robot transform before. And those are the kinds of things that I, I have to keep top of mind when I'm when I'm writing about this stuff is that. The instinct is for me, just like everybody else, to say nothing cooler, nothing could possibly be cooler than the thing I saw when I was 10 years old, because I remember how cool it was when I saw it. Yeah. And you you have to sort of separate yourself from that and really try to look at things you know, objectively and say, that show that I remember so much and gives me that warm, cozy feeling when I hear the sound effects and I see the flashing lights on TV isn't as good as I remember it because I'm not 10 anymore, you know, and I've seen a lot of other stuff at this point. So like we said in that video, the Netflix version is, you know, 40 years worth of 
animation maturation, you know, <laughs> storytelling, older audience, you know, better voice acting, uh, you know, the delivery system of Netflix is different. You know, you don't have to actually wait, you know, a whole week for your show to come out and then it's on <laughs> for 22 minutes. You know, it's just the, the the way the story is told where you have arcs that take place over, you know, multiple seasons and stuff, uh, as opposed to just here's your 22 minute episodes. You didn't even notice that we botched this whole character's origin because we had to chop up a Japanese cartoon and we didn't actually have the piece to fill in this part of the story. So we flipped the negative and you didn't care because you were 10, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So, you know, we, we try to approach things as, you know, uh, as, as not, as not, they're not precious, you know, like they're fun and you can still love them and that give you the warm, rosy, you know, cozy feeling. But you have to be able to look at the things objectively and say, this is a product. <laughs> this was a commercial for a toy and it worked because you bought it. <laughs> like, yes, that's that's what the whole system was. And it worked very, very well. My father still reminds me that he bought me Voltron in when I when I turned 10. Like he likes not in some sort of like 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 MF or I want you to know that I worked a lot of hours. <laughs> I was going to say, how long is he going to hold this over you? <laughs> ever. It's been a while. Ever. Like, you've like bought cars and things since then. <laughs> doesn't care. Doesn't care. Does not care. You know, I one thing he would, I bought you that goddamn Voltron. I said, thank you. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I'm going to buy you well, a house. I, I, you, want. <laughs> you know, if, Voltron back then, I think, was what, like 50 bucks? Yeah, it was bucks. expensive. For sure. You know, adjust for inflation. Do you, do you remember, did you get the, the it all came in one box version or was it the three different sets? I had Lions. I didn't have the, I had the Lions. The Lions not they the sold Lions. in three different sets at one point. No, it was all in one box. Okay, okay. I remember yeah. it was all in one box and I didn't have, I didn't have the one where you could fit the action figures in the Lions. Right, right. right. Um, That I'm one, ugly. as ugly as it is, as ugly as it is, and it's really? ugly. This is coming from the guy that had the Robotech jet that didn't transform, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like I don't want to play GI Joe, I want to play Robotech with it. Uh, um, I always thought as ugly as that one was because he kind of looked like he was like like a, <laughs> I don't even want to say it on air, but <laughs> but he looks a little off with the arm. Yeah. Um. I still thought that was really cool because you could actually have the action figures in it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was cool. And it still is cool. You know, seeing it today, it's, it's the proportions are wonky. The silhouette is wonky. You know, the, the idea that like, I mean, these lions are supposed to be like, you know, as big as buildings yeah. <laughs> and you're like one guy can fit in it, you know uh, it's, you really got to stretch your imagination, but, but that's what you do when you're 10. You just, you don't care. You know, like, oh, yeah, you did an episode once where you were talking about play sets. I think you're talking about like the best play sets ever. You're going to you used to. I don't know if you guys are going to do that stuff anymore. You're doing a countdown. Uh, one of the things you did that was so funny. Uh, we we used to do a show with um, some ex-military vets. Um, and well, you've been on with Marcus before, I believe, from Left Flank yep. Vets. And we were. I had showed him your thing where you had some of those <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> the one where it's just kind of a box with missiles. Which one? 
car. Yeah. Well, so there's that. There's there's that one. That's the actual like you know ten worst GI Joe vehicles or whatever it was. And those are actual vehicles that were made. And it's called the Outpost Defender or something like that. Yeah. And it's literally just a wooden <laughs> shipping crate, and it like busts open. There's like a just... missile launcher in it. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like an outhouse. It looks like you're sitting on the can, and then they're like, all right, now you deploy Jason. You know, it busts open, and you got to shoot missiles. You know. And that's it. You better hope you hit your target, because yeah. if not. You got two shots. That's it. it. <laughs> oh, and then I showed him the, the the what I thought was cool when we were little, the hang glider, mm, but the hang yeah. glider had missiles on it. Yeah. And I was like, how would this? And I was showing these guys like, how would this work? <laughs> Stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we laughed about that for probably like two and a half hours of just going. I thought you, I thought you were gonna mention the uh, the video that we did that was all about playsets where I sort of in, I juxtaposed it against the play sets that kids actually used. Yeah, and you were talking about Dining I had grandma's yeah. couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my Star Destroyer. The Star yeah. Destroyer was the couch, right? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I, I yeah, that 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 kind of that kind of nostalgia is um now that I have a, a small I have children, but I was so young when I had them at first, I didn't really appreciate <laughs> being a yeah. parent in my twenties. And now that I'm an, I, as my daughter calls me grandpa dad. Um, that's new. <laughs> yeah, my daughter calls me grandpa dad because I, 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 my last, I was 41 when I had my last child. So, um, and she's kind of funny, but now I am kind of like sitting back and I can watch him play with things. And it's a, it's a, I love watching this kid play with things. It, it's, it's actually, um, fun so I, I appreciate your show that much more but sometimes when i show him these cartoons from the past he just looks at me like this sucks and we tried to watch super friends and i and i actually paid for super friends season one oh, on, on amazon yeah. and i didn't realize how bad that early because i forgot about late 70s actually mid 70s Hanna barbera animation was really really low budget it was very efficient yeah. <laughs> they don't their mouths don't even move. Yeah. 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 Whenever you get those like car driving down the street scenes and it's just the same three buildings. Same, same three buildings. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, F it, we're just gonna crap these out. These kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's good business. <laughs> <laughs> it, Super Friends ended up getting a lot better as they added the care, but trying to watch season one with them, my kid was like, I, you, you're not gonna keep my attention. So I'm gonna go do anything else by the way. But so how and he long, watched all the first prequels, Star Wars prequels. How long? Like you you saw that Super Friends was there and you're like, I'm gonna buy the whole season one. And I haven't seen it in forever. How long did that nostalgia hit last for you before you were like, I don't remember these episodes being this long? <laughs> like, oh I yeah. I, I I was like, I, um, I have it on and I and my first thought was I don't remember this. Because by the time I was watching Super Friends, but, you know, kind of what we were talking about off air a little bit. I was remembering the later seasons where the Legion of Doom was a lot larger and they had uh, expanded the characters that you saw on Super Friends. The original one has like Shaggy and Scooby wannabes in it. Wendy Wendy and Marvin. Yeah. Yeah. What's your power? I have nothing. (laughs) Like Batman is right here and you're giving all this attention to the dog wearing a cape. <laughs> what are you doing? Scooby News a hit, see? Yeah. That's it. That's we it. need more yeah. Scooby, see? That's it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but do you I, I remember being a kid and thinking, oh, Wendy Marvin and Wonder Mud or whatever his name is, like they're awesome. Yeah. Like I want to be them. You know, I want to hang out with Batman in the Batmobile, you know? Yeah, they got to do everything and they just effed it's you're like, what are you what are you there for? They Marv? knew what they were doing. Those marketing execs are smart. <laughs> Let's get into that because um recently I was watching your latest episode of of toy galaxy and the youtube was just playing on the tv and it went into an episode i had seen before that you did on the 1989 tim burton batman movie yep um and i have so many vivid memories of that time that movie was so hyped among my friend group and even in the media um and you actually portray that on your on your show on your your yeah on that episode huge um, sometimes I, I do want to ask this question before I finish this so, so slight segue. Does Greg try to take news clips just from the area you guys grew up in? No, I think what happens is there are there are certain people who are really big on uploading clips uh, and have like these vast, you know, archives of clips. And so you tend to just tap the same, you know, people, you know, it's a lot of them turn out. There's like one, you know, that's in like, Portland, Oregon or something that we run a lot. And it's just like, that guy's got a lot of clips up, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't, cause sometimes it's from your guys's hood. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, if he could, I think he would do that just straight up from, you know, channel 56, channel 64 <laughs> out of Boston in 1984. I think he would grab every single clip cause we would know that we were watching that. <laughs> I feel like you guys are big enough that if he really wanted to, if he could go to the station and be like, Hey, Call up GBH. Hey, yep. I need <laughs> I need some I need some footage. So I, w- I would love some archival footage. I guarantee they would give it to you. So I've never even considered it, but I'd love it in VHS form. But yeah, just... yeah. Then I'll go buy a VCR. <laughs> yeah. I like beta. Yeah. You have this all on beta because it was official. Well, the thing, thing is, they'd have those weird like TV studio giant cassette things, and then who's got a wall of those you know players? Not me. Uh, that's what Craigslist is for. <laughs> if it's <Why> out there, <laughs> it's on Craigslist, yeah. <laughs> but but back to my Batman question. I I had Batman shirts before the movie even dropped. Um, and I vaguely remember the backlash from comic fans because the buzz from non-comic readers, but cartoon watchers from the Hanna Barbera cartoons and the reruns of the '60s TV program, um. We were anxious to get the superhero on the big screen for a kid like me. And I'm sure you as well. This was the first time since the Superman movie that we were going to be able to see a live action superhero. Flick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would that movie have been like had the comic fans got their way and the script stayed more true to the comic? Your so you're opinion. asking what if social media existed back then? <laughs> Is that what you're asking? <laughs> what if Twitter? You, made a, you, you made a joke on, on the episode about, about Twitter. And I do think, sadly, that social media has an effect on these, these movies. Um, you saw it with uh, Morbius. Mm which I'm still surprised someone thought a feature film of Morbius made sense. Um, 
you know, Greg and I had a podcast back in 2000. It was before we started the channel. So it's probably like 2010, maybe. And I remember that's, you know, that's about when the Marvel Universe stuff started, right? The MCU. Mm -hmm. I think that's about when mm -hmm. Iron Man came out. Oh, nine, right? And they had announced that they had acquired the rights to, to produce Thor, Captain America, and maybe Silver Surfer or something. And and I we had this conversation. I don't know if the clip still exists, but we had this conversation that was like, there is no way the mainstream audience is going to understand, accept, enjoy a movie about Thor. Are you kidding me? Thor? The big red cape, the golden locks, the swinging hammer? That is not going to work. So after a decade of all that stuff working, talking tree, talking raccoon man, you know, like I don't blame them for saying he's a vampire. What wouldn't work? You know, <laughs> Morbius, he's a vampire. He's kind of venomish. He's a vampire. People are going to love it. Yeah. yeah. And then I haven't seen it yet. I saw the the social media shenanigans and that thing getting I released and bombing twice. <laughs> yeah, which I thought, again, that was all social media, in my opinion, social media kind of inspired. I watched the movie. Um, as someone that went to the theater to see Blade, um, as someone that vaguely remembers going to the theater to see The Crow, uh, I was like, it's a it's a cartoon movie about a guy that no one knows. And the only thing that I thought, I won't say sucked about it, but the only thing that I thought took away from the movie was the fact that it wasn't as gory. If you're going to go vampire story and not make it blade, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, then you have to accept the fact that it's got to be a, a bit of a gory, a gory story. If you, and if you're trying to make him anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. To that level, it's got to be on the darker side. And I think the need to sell action figures, the need to have sequels, the need to try to put this um, Sinister Six together the way they want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, in my opinion, you it's like making a movie about Sandman. Are you really going to watch the Sandman movie? Yeah. Here's, here's my issue with uh, Morbius that had me concerned from day one is because they're trying to do that, because they're trying to build this sort of Sinister Six thing to, to pit against their Spider-Man movies. Uh, that means Michael Keaton was in Morbius. Michael yes. Keaton, previously of 1989 Batman. <laughs> yeah. And now, now the Vulture. And I love this man, right? Like, I, I want to see him in more movies. I want to see him do stuff. You know, that that gap of time between, you know, he did the Batman movies and then he bailed on that, did some other mm -hmm. stuff. And then there's years where I feel like he was just he just disappeared. And maybe I wasn't, you know, actually. I, I, Tom Hanks took his thunder. There was two white guys with that same haircut. And Tom <laughs> but so he comes back in Birdman, right, which is yes. a fantastic movie. But that's all meta contextual about him being Batman and the problems he had and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm like, OK, well, we're just never going to see him as like, you know, he's never going to be in the Marvel Universe. He's never going to be in Star Wars. He's never going to do those kinds of movies again. And he doesn't have to. And that's fine. You know, go be the founder in the story of Ray Kroc making McDonald's. Like, that's fine. <laughs> okay. it was great. It was a great movie. I loved it. <laughs> He's really good at being a horrible man. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to see him in more stuff. And so you you put him in the, the Marvel Universe as Vulture. And I'm like, that's a win. Holy crap. I can't believe 
he's back and in the vulture is kind of like a parody of Birdman, which was a meta thing about Batman. And I can't believe we're pulling this off. Just keep writing this man big checks. So he'll be in these movies. That's, <laughs> that's all I want. And then now we got to do this sinister six thing. And it's like, well, we got to put him in this Morbius movie. And then that thing bombs twice. And then now over in DC, they're like, got to work in 89 Batman. That Batgirl movie's not getting released. You know, the other thing's not getting released. And I'm like, would you people stop screwing around with Michael Keaton, please? (laughs) (laughs) I need this man back in these roles and you're messing it up. Don't Mm -hmm. do this. (laughs) There was a conversation that we got into and and I I kind of, I think this does dovetail into nostalgia. Um, The first time me and you talked, and it was about something that I was not really aware. I was aware of, but it wasn't really anything on my radar. Um, mainly because I, this is going to sound like a rude thing to say. Like, I don't care that much about certain things, right? Like, oh, so-and-so is a woman now instead of a man. Like, does the story work? Like Ghostbusters, I was like, I, you know what? I didn't really care that much about the first one. So if they were all pygmies, it wouldn't make a difference to me. Um, it's, and so... Batgirl and Supergirl, mm-hmm. I think, have the same writing team. Oh, I don't know for sure. Um, but I know that there was a push to have more "quote unquote" diversity um, in some of the roles. Um, and I think was Batgirl supposed to be black or something? I'm not. I, you know, there's been so many Batman, Batgirl projects. There was, there was the Batwoman. Halle Berry. I'm not a DC guy, so I don't really pay attention. Yeah, no, that closely, you know. So I know there was the Batwoman. I think was the TV show that was on, mm-hmm. and I think she was a black actress. And then the movie, I don't remember exactly who was playing her, so I don't really know. I don't remember exactly where they were going with that. But again, I was just like, I. I'll see it when it comes out. That's there's the market is so saturated at this point that I barely even pay attention. Again, I was just following Michael Keaton. <laughs> I was I had the blinders on for Michael Keaton. <laughs> and and in your in your Batman piece, you talk about how people did not want Michael Keaton to play Batman because he was a no one remembers this. Was Mr. He was Mom. A comedian. Yeah, he was him Mr. and Tom Mom. Hanks were comedic actors in the '80s that, in my opinion, were extremely interchangeable from their very 80s movies. You know, mm-hmm. Mr. Mom, Gung Ho. Splash. Uh, Splash. What else? The, the Man with One Red Shoe. Like, these guys were kind of in forgettable 80s movies. Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, my God. Talk about forgettable. Talk about forgettable. Then Big. Tom Hanks gets Big. League of Their Own. And then Keaton gets... Well, after he does Big, his life changes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Apollo and, 13 and, was right there, too. Um, and, and then uh, Keaton gets Batman, and, and his life changes to a certain extent. But the people that were like, "Well, he's not a uh, an actor, an action actor. We need an action actor to play to play Batman." Um, you know, back to my original point. Let's not even get into you know race and gender. Let's just talk about what people want to see on screen, and to think that. Um, if we cast Mel Gibson as Batman, do you get that same performance that Michael Keaton gives 
um, as bad. No, I mean, the easy answer, the short answer to that is absolutely not. You get whatever Mel Gibson does with it. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a completely different character, you know? Uh, it just in theory, there was no, like, the character we're trying to get is what Michael Keaton played. It's like, no, he delivered the performance and, and brought Michael Keaton to it. Uh, and that that's what makes that Bruce Wayne that Bruce Wayne and that Batman that Batman. And, you know, George Clooney's just two movies later is totally different. Val Kilmer's is totally different. You know, uh, uh, the most current one, I just forgot his name, Robert Pattinson, you know, his is totally different. So everybody, brings their, they bring their own thing to it. You know, um, I don't think a character like that girl is as established in the minds of, you know, your average pop culture enthusiast uh, i usually use my mom as my like measure of like, <laughs> do i think this is gonna matter you know and my mom all she's i mean literally my mom has seen every movie like every movie that's been released since like 1968 she's seen it <laughs> mm-hmm. she loves movies she loves science fiction she loves fantasy she loves everything so she's way more of a movie expert than i am and i think if you said to her who who is batgirl she would immediately go back to the 60s tv show that's who batgirl is to her uh yeah. and as you'll recall, the 60s Batman TV show did did a lot of that, like, let's let's play around with diversity. Like there were three different people who played Catwoman, you know? <laughs> like, yes. They they but no started... one... Okay, why? Okay, so so riddle me this, uh, Dan Man. Why does no one I've never heard an argument other than a debate? And jokingly, I posted something on Twitter. I have been right now when I'm done with the main this is revolution show i go watch your stuff there's another guy i found that talks about movies and i just disassociate i've been watching the the i finally found out where you guys have that i warned you i went and watched Death <laughs> Wish. i'm watching it backwards right we watching all these old canon films just disassociating but and, and sadly the disassociation he has me m- making these shows <laughs> yeah about. yeah 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 but i don't remember ever hearing anything even when i post this thing on twitter who's your favorite cat woman the julie newmar is she the one and and julie and newmar eartha kit and uh lee merriweather yeah and not one person said i hate the black one or why is there a white one or that never part of the discussion you just have your favorite cat woman so isn't so isn't that interesting i i it's fascinating to me and i would love to throw that out to you know the my own sort of survey as well to see what the demographics of the responses were because i would bet that the responses were coming from people who were not alive at the time mm-hmm. that happened so when they find out about it it's just always been there and it's always been a part of it well yeah of course there was you know of course eartha kit was there of course julie newmar was there so what it's not a big deal that's what catwoman was on the tv show but if you do that now where they know it's happening it's like you can't do that there's no black mermaids you know like (laughs) you know but if it's already there then then the 10 year old kid doesn't question it and doesn't care you just go like okay is it a good movie like is stuff gonna blow up like Can I get a toy and ice cream afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I felt. Look, that's how I felt about um, um, Morbius. I don't have a problem with Jared Leto. I don't know him personally. He's never called me the N-word. I don't know why people hate him as if he goes around and I, I, I don't follow his life. 
So if he is a horrible person, I, I don't know. Um, he's a whatever actor, in my opinion. He played the role about as well as it's going to get played, because, again, it's a character that I don't think connects that well for a whole movie to be about. He's never even been like, I mean, I'm sure if I went looking, there's probably a Mobius limited series or whatever. But to me, he was always the guy that was like, it's Spider-Man. We've already gone through the whole rogues gallery again. Like who's left Morbius. All right. We can do like two issues with him and then we'll start the rogues gallery over, you know, <laughs> there's a story on. arc that I remember. Only thing I know about Morbius, it was a story arc on the Spider-Man cartoon in the nineties mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. blade comes before the blade movie. And that's the only thing I know about, about Morbius as far as like, well, who would care about an entire movie about this dude? That's, you know, not even that big of a, a Spider-Man villain. I mean, ultimately, when are we going to see, like, Doom, right? That's what everybody wants to see. <laughs> like, Doctor Doom is yeah. the villain for this look, stuff. I get it. I, I understand how the, the creative end of this works. I understand how the corporate end of this works. <clears throat> She-Hulk, which is, you know, on Disney Plus right now, uh, getting a lot of social media buzz uh, <laughs> from people. Um, that character Someone. was cre- that that character was created so that Marvel could take advantage of having that character because they were afraid somebody else was going to make it, you know. So- yes. <laughs> no, that's that. That's the truth. That in in a nutshell, right? We better get that intellectual property because what was it? it? Was a CBS that had the Hulk TV? So for those that don't know, and I don't know if you talked about this on your show yet, and I'm sure it's probably coming. We did a Hulk episode, but nobody watched it. <laughs> Unfortunately. Look. As someone that does political topics, the lowest show we had, we did a show on abortion six months before the verdict came out saying, hey, this is probably going to happen. Nobody watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but so I, I, I feel your pain. Uh, but with Hulk, for those that don't know, there was a Hulk TV show with Lou Ferrigno and, uh, and Bill Bixby in the in the early seven or mid late 70s. And. The TV network, I think it was CBS that owned it. I don't remember. They wanted to make a female Hulk because they're the same people that did the Bionic Man who made the Bionic Woman. No one remembers the Bionic Dog. So they were going to make a a Hulk female version, and Marvel didn't have one. So if you follow Marvel comics at all, She-Hulk doesn't come to be until 1981. It's easier to make a comic version of something than it is to to put it even on a tv screen so they create she hulk literally from (laughs) the mass of of of, uh, bruce banner um and that's where she comes from it was just it was a trademark we got to claim it trademark we got to get it out there before somebody else does it and you know She's had some serious stories, but mostly she's lived her life as as a parody character, uh, as a as a humor character. I shouldn't say parody is not the right word. As a as a comedic, humorous, you know, sort of character. That's that's really been the most memorable books uh, and stories that she's had. Uh, but the point I was trying to make there was that Morbius, as a character, as a concept, is not inherently bad or stupid or whatever. He's a vampire. He's a living vampire. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> He's the living vampire. So t- 
to set to suggest that any movie would be bad because it has Morbius in it. That's not that's not right. You know, you could tell a good Morbius story. There could be a good movie. So I don't want to say like, oh, Marvel was inherently flawed because they thought making a Morbius movie was a good idea. That's not necessarily true. There could have been a good story there. There could have been a great performance. It could have been engaging. But whatever this process is, especially at Sony, because this is a Sony production, whatever that process is, the final product just it got it's mashed potatoes. Nobody cares, you know. <laughs> it did not work. Yeah, and it, what's funny is for those of for those of the, that are comic fans, the by the time Marvel the Marvel universe as we know it is coming to be, the first big hit movie Blade doesn't even have his own book i don't think until post the movie blade is a character that's introduced in the dracula comic that is very different from the blade in the movie i used to own that dracula where he's introduced and he's like steak and frost you jive turkey <laughs> that was a very well, different... that's how a lot of books were at the time <laughs> that's not that's not just blade <laughs> yeah, luke cage as well you know, thank goodness uh, Tarantino didn't get his hands on that one. Uh, yeah. You know that was, you know, he had the rights to Luke Cage for years. I'm, I'm not surprised. And he lost. That. Oh God, that would have been like the Django Cage would have been horrible. Django was supposed to be Luke Cage, by the way. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I, I <sighs> Morbius. If they would have done Morbius like they did in the in the cartoon, and this is back to nostalgia, right? <laughs> Morbius like they did in the cartoon, where he's kind of this villain with a Blade story arc with Spider-Man. That's cool. That might be entertaining, and then you yeah. can do the bloodless vampire thing, and it not be so in your face PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I, it's. You know, there, there are there are a thousand compromises that are made on the way to that, you know, that projector rolling in the theater. Do projectors still roll? A lot of this stuff is digital now. I don't know how it works. <laughs> well, and, and also, too, there, they say? Push the button? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's not even like a kid in there ruining his Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were taking second tier. All these Avengers that people love. Spider-Man was not in the original Avengers movies. No, no. For you know, years, these for are decades, all for decades. Second tier. Iron Man is not a first tier comic. It wasn't. Like you said, Thor wasn't a first. Black Widow definitely wasn't a first tier. Uh, uh, a person. Hulk kind of, sort of. But they had sold all the properties to... The more successful characters, i.e. X-Men, uh, Fantastic Four, which is probably the most well-known, the first family. And those movies didn't do what they thought they were going to do. And what part of that is kind of our love affair with nostalgia? Why didn't Fantastic Four, the first one, Hit. The Roger Corman one, or oh no, not the Roger Corman. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where do I start? <laughs> I mean, that, but like She-Hulk, that was just a trademark. We got to put something out so yeah. we don't lose rights. That's all that was. That's all Roger Corman was too. I think yeah. it never got an official release. No, right? it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. No. But I think She-Hulk, the the I the I saw two or three episodes of the streaming one on Disney Plus, and I laughed. And I think you're supposed to laugh. And I was you like, are. You 100 are. 
it's silly it's, and it's fun. It is. She was doing, you know, address the camera, meta, fourth wall breaking stuff before Deadpool even existed, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is part of it. Uh, I think a lot of the outrage is that uh, some of the jokes are hitting a little too close to their intended target. <laughs> and the intended targets don't like it because they got the joke and it's not funny now, you know? <laughs> I think that's part of the problem. Oh, that's uh, totally part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the CG is still a little wonky. Like, I think Hulk looks pretty good now after six movies or whatever he's been in, you know? But I think they still need to sort of tweak her look. There's still something There's still something Shrekky going on there, you know? It's a little Shrekish. I feel you on the Shrekishnessness. Shrekishnessness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, is is it is it our love, our idea of what these things were in the past that make us kind of hate these movies? Because what was it about that Fantastic Four movie from the early 2000s with Captain America? I want to say with Captain America and with Chris Evans in it as Human Torch. Human Torch. Yeah. What was wrong with those where they just missed? That's a good question. And I'm not... I haven't seen the first one in a while. The second one is definitely better than the first one because uh, I think there was a little bit of course correction there. Uh, the wh- Whoever's idea, the inspired casting choice of Lawrence Fishburne as Silver Surfer was just like, holy cow, that's amazing. Like, don't, like he should just have that part for the rest of it. Like, if anybody, like if they, Silver Surfer's coming back and I want yeah. him back as the voice too. Like he was just. That worked. That worked really, well. Really Really that good. worked really well. Yeah. Um, but the first one, I think we were still sort of in that era of, you know, a lot of directors, a lot of producers and, and the corporate folk were still like, this is a comic book movie. You know, it's mm-hmm. got to be silly and it's for the little kids. And, you know, like, I still think there's a little bit too much of that in it. Mm-hmm. Um <sighs> But, I, but I'm not sure that that's entirely the issue with it. There might be some more just, in, you know, inherent like structural issues with it. Uh, you know, the the way it, the the pacing of the narrative, those kinds of things, the the visual effects. Um, there's still that struggle of, you know, should Ben Grimm be a physical suit like he is in that movie uh, mm-hmm. versus a CG creation like he is in the F4 or Fan4 stick or whatever the one was <laughs> the first time they rebooted it. Yeah. Uh, you know, recast everybody. You know, he's a CG rock monster in that movie. And I still, I still think they're trying to work that stuff out. I think now that they figured out the Hulk thing, will probably be easy, easier. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think there's still a little bit too much camp in that first Fantastic Four movie that the audience wanted to go more mature, more real. Mm-hmm. And there are things now that we're just coming back around to. Like, I haven't seen the latest Thor movie yet, but Thor seems to be, you know, because of Taika Waititi and his sort of style and humor and and the cast that's in there. Um, we're back to a point where we can be comfortable with those types of things and treating some of this stuff as though it's not, you know, this dire thing of the utmost importance and, uh, you know, seriousness. Like, it's okay to have fun with some of this stuff. And and I think some of the backlash for She-Hulk might be there as well, where it's like, no, 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 I wanted my serious, mature She-Hulk. You have to do the serious story <laughs> before you can have fun with it, you know? Yeah. And I, I do wonder if some of the, the distaste for that first Fantastic Four movie was, no, 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 no. I wanted the serious movie. I wanted the Netflix Voltron before you gave me the 1984 Voltron, you know? I think. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny that you that you say that because then it's like um, WandaVision, which again we're talking about a character that not a lot of people are familiar with. You know, this is kind of deep cut comic canon um, for for some, right? Like, let's remember, everybody knows the X Men is Cyclops, Wolverine, Jean Grey, Storm, Beast. When you start getting into the other characters, right? The sometimes why X Men's? Yeah, long shot. <laughs> you know, uh, that's when people, you know, I think they're like, who, who? But um. I thought one division was just interesting. I thought the whole thing was interesting. Um, I had never seen anything like that before. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't like it until it got kind of, until it, the story progressed and got a little bit more what you're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, but I felt like it had to go in that order. It had to go like that. Cause I, I, I was kind of on the edge of my seat. I was like, what is this? What is this going to be? What is this? Well, I, everybody be? that I've recommended that show to, I've had to say you got to give it at least you know two three episodes yeah. because the first episode you're going to be really confused. Even if you are super up on the MCU, like you're going to be confused because I was confused, but I was also intrigued, and so I gave it time to tell me the story it was trying to tell, and I was rewarded for that. I felt like I was very rewarded yeah. for that uh, by the end of the thing. Oh yeah, and I think it sets up the next movie. Uh, the multiverse I, I didn't even care about that i was more it was more i appreciated that that one was able to take some artistic uh you know risks yes some storytelling risks that other shows and and certainly the movies just haven't been able to take those risks there have been far too many stories with whether it's star wars mcu whatever any of these big disney properties that you know we we hear about them before such and such director is supposed to be doing it such and such you know writer is supposed to be doing it and then there's this falling out i mean ant-man is probably the the most famous one uh where you know it's it's supposed to be this this visionary this this artist this real creator who's going to bring a voice to it and tell a story like you, you, they're going to do something really interesting with this character but then that corporate mindset is like we do need to sell the toys. We do need to sell the shirts. You can't kill all these characters. Like we need clear storytelling. Moms are going to be watching this, you know, like you need to bring it back down, you know? So to, to see them get to Disney plus and say, no, we're going to, we're going to do something different with this WandaVision show. I, I, I still feel like that was a treat. <laughs> a little treat. I thought so. You know, back to I the movies. So. <laughs> I thought so. I mean, it, the whole, th like, again, I was on the edge of my seat. Because it's it wasn't predictable, mm -hmm. and you know we live in an era of predictability, and we live in an era of reboots because nostalgia sells, right? Let's do this thing again. I mean, how many Batman origin stories are we going to tell? Yeah, it's it's there's way it's way cheaper to sell something you know somebody already likes than to try to create a new thing. I mean, that's that they they broke that code a while ago, and there's no turning back. <laughs> Uh, in, in the eighties, uh, nostalgia dominated pop culture and it was the nostalgia of the boomer generation. Uh, I recently wrote a piece for sublation magazine about the two Woodstock 99 documentaries where a nostalgic recollection of the original Woodstock in 1969 allowed those documentaries to have a bit of a biased and unfair depiction of 
what really happened in 99. Pop culture in the 80s was filled with happy images of the 50s and 60s. Kylie McNogue has her first U.S. hit with the remake of Locomotion, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump in the mid-90s, That Thing You Do, John Stamos playing with the Beach Boys on Grease. Oh, God, yeah. Two Grease movies. <laughs> Even in The Karate Kid, he has to drive a classic car, right? Um. Can nostalgia paint false narratives? Yes. <laughs> What's the next question? Yes. I <laughs> guess, <laughs> and that's that is precisely what it is. You know, it's I think I I think nostalgia can be a bad word. You know, I think it can be uh, dangerous. I think it can be very dangerous uh, because the whole point of it is is it's it's the chemicals in your brain, you know, uh, playing tricks on you and and telling you. You know, every job I have ever had, while I had it, I hated it. <laughs> I would have done anything to quit the day I started. I have hated every single job I have ever had. And there are times where I will stop and I'll find myself thinking, like, wistfully about some job I had 15 years ago. Like, ah, you know, that wasn't so bad. No, it was, I hated it. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> And that's just that's just your brain playing tricks on you and and just just pulling those good times out. The few good times that actually were there, somebody you met, a sunny day where it wasn't like, you know, crap outside and your boss left early and last 20 minutes you had, you know, to yourself or whatever, like you you got that one bonus the entire 5 years you worked there. Like, <laughs> or whatever you're dealing with today, you know, like the job I had when I was 22, fresh out of college, like, ah, I hate this job. It's so awful and whatever, but I have more problems and crap today that I have to deal with than I did back then. I didn't even pay rent back then. I was worried. I was living at home, <laughs> you know, like, and that's, and that's that same sort of thing where, where it's, you, you tend to hold on to the really good stuff and then the bad things, you just kind of let them go. And I think uh, nostalgia in general preys on that uh, because there's money to be made there. You know, let's just keep pumping those positive, good vibes, endorphins into your brain uh, so you forget about all the bad stuff, and that's thirty dollars, please. You know. <laughs> well, I think one of the more streamed. I think one of the more streamed shows on on uh, streaming services is still The Office, which has been yes. off air I think for about yes. ten years now. Yes. Um, I've watched it twenty five times in its entirety yes. myself. I don't even um, know. There's whatever channel it is on cable just runs it like twenty four hours a day. It should just be called The Office <laughs> Channel now. <laughs> Like they did Chappelle's show. I think it only had like what two seasons, and yeah. and for years Comedy Central just kept running the just same running. things over and over again. Yeah. Um. What is it about this? Because I found out that there's even podcasts of the actors of some of these shows, like The Office. There's like multiple people from The Office that literally have a show where they break down every episode of The Office. Maybe some behind the scenes shenanigans. Yeah. And these stop, are massive pumpkins. Stop me if you've heard this one. Uh, I liked, I like Star Wars, uh, but I liked it more when I was a kid because it wasn't political. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? <laughs> yes. You know, you know, TV shows when I was a kid, they weren't political like this. Yeah. You know, yeah, fine, they had a diverse cast or whatever, but it was organic to the story. They didn't force it in. You know, mm -hmm. that's the the problem there it's let's let's go back to that old book the bible right it's the knowledge thing the problem is you're older now 
and you see this stuff now and you know what crap is outside and you know what a terrible place this is and how manipulative it is manipulative it is can we get a second take on that manipulative (laughs) (laughs) and how many people are out there because you see them on twitter or facebook or whatever that are in the position to do something quickly fix these problems make it better for everyone except them and their wallets not doing it and it sucks and it's terrible and so yeah you know star wars you you have this idea when you were a kid it was just like look it's just a story about an evil black knight and the good people who want to fight it you you know that's all star wars is that's all it was when i was 10 you know you can go back and look up george lucas's quotes from interviews and stuff where he's like i thought i made it pretty clear that the empire was america and the rebellion is the Vietnamese. Like I thought, I made that pretty clear. <laughs> no, with iconography of World War II. No, you didn't get that. You, no, he picked up on that. Like it's literally no. shot-for-shot shot recreations of that footage. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the problem: is you got older, and now you can actually see this stuff. It's not subtext anymore. It's text, and you don't yeah. want to see that because you're trying to escape it from outside. <laughs> yeah. You know. And so when you leave it and you come into your fantasy world and you're still presented with those things you were trying to avoid, it sucks. And so the nostalgia thing kicks in and says, let's just go watch Spider-Man from back when we knew before we knew anything, back when we were dumb. (laughs) God, to be dumb again, you know, (laughs) you know, even you you were on the show when we had uh, Dr. Michael Harris on where we talked about science fiction. And there's even science fiction that I was unaware that had a message like back to the future has a coherent message about saving a dying middle class mm-hmm. that I missed out on in my 1500 viewings of back <laughs> to the future because you were still Why, seeing I, it through 10 year old eyes. Maybe that. Yeah, I guess you I just, try to watch some of this stuff. Look, like I said, I've been watching these death. Yeah, wishes. but the music kicks in and you're like, Huey Lewis. Yeah, I love this song. He's on the skateboard. It's so cool. I had those glasses from Pizza Hut. <laughs> I want to ride man. in the back of a car with a skateboard. It's hard, and, to, it's hard to turn off the, the nostalgia hit because it's just drugs pumping in your brain. And in in Harris's book, it hasn't come out yet. I hope I hope it sees the light of day. Actually, the the last book that he wrote about science fiction, where you know everything is Blade Runner. <laughs> like every, look, <laughs> that's just the starting point now of where we are. Yeah. Um, it, it really, I, and I went back and watched Blade Runner recently, and I don't know which cut it is. There's like a thousand different. Oh cuts. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just watched like whatever one was the one that you could see if you had an actual VH, v, VCR back in the 80s. And I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, I see even more what he means about everything is Blade Runner right now. And it does color the way I look back at things because a lot of my writing I do is you know, going to look back at these moments and analyze them with sober eyes. You know, the, one of the big pieces I wrote that got me a little bit of attention was uh, taking another look at punk and hardcore music in, in from the American context and, and asking a question, was this really trying to be this new subversive thing or is it a kind of a cottage industry that gets formed out of not having an entry into the mainstream and these people actually having mainstream aspirations 
what happens when you're only part of a culture of, of deconstruction and authenticity. Um, you, you know, these are questions we're not asking ourselves in the moment, right? Right. Um, the prequels to Star Wars aren't about how a society becomes authoritarian. It's just long and boring. <laughs> I thought that, I thought that. <laughs> and then I and then I was alive for the Trump presidency <laughs> and then I started to think that George Lucas was an absolute visionary and I needed to go back and watch those movies because that so this is how democracy dies to the sound of you know applause or mm -hmm. to the thunderous applause I was mm -hmm. like that's on the right? news right now <laughs> like, that's real I thought it was heavy handed, but that's pretty damn real. <laughs> and that's kind of why I want to talk about something like nostalgia, because I think the only way demagoguery works is if you're stuck in a false idea of what news is, of what yeah. entertainment yeah. is, of what a good era was. If and all we know about the 50s and 60s is, you know, Back to the Future and that thing you do and La Bamba, you know, and and sounds like a plane just crashed. Maybe I need to shut up. <laughs> Hang on for one second here. <laughs> <laughs> Should have closed that window at the beginning. <laughs> but but uh, my final question. So actually, let me let me interject one thing real quick before you please, ask that. Please, uh, please. I I don't recall. I would like to credit the person who who uh, turned me on to this idea, and, and I don't remember who it was. It was probably just like a really long tweet thread tweet thread on uh, Twitter or something. And it was this idea, and I'd never thought about it this way. It was it was analyzing the the rise of you know Fox News and and their power and influence and just how they control so much uh, media and and how they control the narrative uh, of everything right now. And it was this idea that. Fox identified about 20 years ago who was still watching television. I know the thread you're talking about. Yeah, and the, and the idea was that they recognized that old people were watching television and that yes. old people were, were the future because young people were cutting the cable and going to social media and they were online and they weren't paying attention. And so they just went all in for old people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, where that, 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 powerful poisonous nostalgia story comes in because they took 20 years or 15 they took 15 years to lay the groundwork and pave this story about those great times that used to be amazing and wonderful and look at this dark terrible horrible place that we're living in you know like there's a guy right down the street from me here uh, you know in manchester that you know he's got the big re-elect trump banner on his lawn and the you know 2024 and and he just put out a new sign that says, haven't you had enough of this? Vote Republican. And I was like, enough of what? <laughs> I've lived in this city for 10 years. You know, like it, we, barely anything's changed unless you think it should have changed to something else. And what what are you what story are you trying to get back to? What are you seeing in your head that I'm not relating to because you're feeding on this other this other hit of some other story, you know? And yeah, it's it's dangerous and it's it's I don't know how you undo that. I don't know how you get people off of this nostalgia for something that a never existed. <laughs> yeah. 
and is not coming back. You know, like I don't care who you elect in the next election. They're not putting that back, <laughs> whatever you think it was. What, whatever the thing you want back back is. Yeah. And that and that's I guess that's kind of my my main question is how do we proceed in the future when we're so stuck in an idealistic past? Um, I think we need old people to die. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> it's not nice. It's very don't don't clip that. <laughs> well, well uh, I, I, I'm starting to feel old myself, so I might be part of the. Uh, well, I mean, you know, still. we, you and I, our generation isn't even reflected in our representation. You know, like, yeah, I there was a there was a I saw a tweet today or a story or whatever's a headline that was like, why there may never be a Gen X president. You know, it's like you're just yeah. gonna get skipped because we're just gonna keep sticking with seventy and eighty year olds. And then at a, some at a certain point it's going to be like okay now there's a there's a 42 year old and they're yeah. a millennial you know yeah. <laughs> and and I was like I wanted to reply to that and just be like well you know as a Gen Xer what my attitude towards that is is like eh. <laughs> 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 a, a friend of show uh, to Ray Reed and and uh, well known academic made a comment we were having a conversation about predictions political predictions and it has nothing to do with want. It was just political predictions, right? And I was like, I feel like Gavin Newsom is gonna gonna have a run in 2024. I think he's setting himself up for a run. And he said, uh, hmm. same thing you said. He goes, we've never had a Gen X president, and uh, I don't think they trust us with the keys to the car. <laughs> and he goes, but but he goes, and I I had made my case for why I think this is gonna happen. Again, it was just a, it wasn't like this is what I think we need as a nation. It was just this is where I see yeah yeah just political the tea leaves. yeah. Yep. And uh, and he 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 agreed, but he he kind of jokingly said something very similar to you is that, you know, I don't see a Gen Xer being the one. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, during Trump. This is the first time when we had someone walk right off of a television set and into the Oval Office. So like all these horrible movies that came out in the 90s and early 2000s where there'd be like some guy you're gonna hey some guy you're gonna be president just so yeah. this other guy can win and then the person actually won right it's almost kind of the, the story of trump um that actually happened in real life and i think it was bad f- for business in the long run um and in in uh, a very divisive administration to the point where i think as a whole I think the pro people are just louder. We want to move beyond that as a nation, that moment of kind of almost embarrassment that literally a man that never even was class president was the leader of the free world. You know who was class um, president? <laughs> who did you say was class president? I was. You were... <laughs> I was. <laughs> Like you literally have more political bona fides. <laughs> I held office before. <laughs> Holding office as the guy that held no office whatsoever. I, so and I think you make a good point there as far as like I think you make a very good point with uh you know the the entertainer as as politician. We obviously saw it with Reagan, you know, that was just a movie star and you know, they laugh about it back to the future. Yeah. Uh and uh Trump being a guy that's on television and then making that that uh, transition, the hope is that the generations behind us, the younger kids, 
uh, are growing up in a absolutely toxic minefield of social media and 24 hour surveillance. And I don't know how many times when my wife and I have had the conversation about like, God, I am so glad I graduated high school and college and was married before I had to deal with social media, you know, like I can't imagine trying to be 16 years old knowing that however much you try to avoid drama, <laughs> oh, that shit is happening. <laughs> Mm -hmm. People are talking about you. There's Facebook posts, there's Instagram things, they're making mm -hmm. fun of you, all this other stuff. So I think the generations behind us growing up in this just just terrible, terrible landscape of, of media and 24-hour consumption and all of this are better equipped to handle a future, a Blade Runner future, <laughs> <laughs> than we were necessarily. I, so, and that's what kind of, you know, maybe frightened. Yeah, I guess frightened is the right word because... I was talking with with a neighbor and we were out and he had mentioned something about advertisements and I was like, you know, I'm and he was like, he's a lot younger than me. He's like 30. And I said, I remember when television went off. Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to remember before cable, when you sat in front of the television past like 11 or 12 o'clock midnight, TV went off the start. The national anthem played and either went to bars or just or snow. And then 6 a.m. it all started over again. Yep. And yep. then, and I'm also only to remember the, the infomercial. And the infomercial was this thing that was kind of fascinating in a way, because it's like, you're selling this stupid, like a knife. Who's watching this? Yeah. Who's Blue blocker sunglasses or something. <laughs> like, who's buying these things? And then what I find fascinating is, as I scroll through social media, especially things like Instagram, which is just built on influencer culture. And I live in Mexico, but I'm a few hours you know, south of L.A., which is all influencer culture. It It is 24-7 infomercials. And infomercials were always about this thing, like as seen on TV, which is almost a joke store to people our age. Because those things don't really come on the way they came on back in the day. Yeah. But when you think about influencer culture um, of... No, you need this thing. Here's a thing. It's a backpack, but inside the backpack's another backpack. And you need this because I know you travel as I, you know, that's why you're seeing this ad. And you need the backpack backpack. Or you need the laptop holder. The you need the screen backpack. screen. You know, you need you need these jeans are the jeans you need. And there's constantly a person that has a million followers telling you about the supplement you need or the backpack backpack um did you make up the backpack backpack i didn't actually <laughs> i wish i was that smart to be that clever hey uh, while we're talking about this uh I, if you have you ever heard of sheath underwear uh, let me show yep. you my here it's <laughs> you are the reason i've heard of <laughs> it's good to know that you're a proud sponsor <laughs> it is though yeah. we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a channel if it weren't if it weren't for that and we get you know we get flack from people like oh i can't believe you did a spot for blah 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 they're they're a, whatever it's a you know questionable ethics and stuff and it's like i gotta pay the bills <laughs> yeah like i can't we can't make these videos unless we take sponsorships you know so we've given the audience an alternative like just go go subscribe to our patreon two bucks a year two bucks a year and you never have to watch one of those sponsorships again you know, so there's there's options there. 
Otherwise, I try to make those spots as entertaining as possible because that's the world we live in. <laughs> it, it, and that's for your show. I'm talking about just the random scroll, right? So yeah, I understand yeah, we need yeah. to have advertising to make this thing work, and you're not advertising, you know, Monsanto products. So there's a massive difference between you advertising some guy making underwear that's supposed to be cool for your nutsack as opposed <laughs> to, you know, stuff that's going to give you cancer. Um, and it, it's just fascinating that it's not that we ignore them anymore. It's that we want them and we want to be them. This is the first time in my life that I think people want to be advertisements. They want to be. And that that frightens me. That's very Blade Runner, yeah. It's <laughs> very, <laughs> right? very so cyberpunk. Yeah, how do you get beyond again? How do you get beyond when when we live in a world where people are like, no, I sell myself, the attention economy has me, and I want to be part of it. So we are all this is this great way of, I'm sure you designed this to bring us around to this. We are all prisoners of you know capitalism and yeah. this this commercialization that we've lived with our entire lives. And I love G.I. Joe and I love Star Wars and all that stuff. Uh, I am now mature enough and old enough to recognize the manipulation that took place there. The people at the top are just trying to sell me a product while the people at the bottom are saying, no, I was actually trying to create a compelling story. You know, like mm -hmm. Snake Eyes is cool because Snake Eyes is cool because some people told some cool stories about Snake Eyes and designed a really cool costume <laughs> and stuff. But it, it is everything we do, everything we we hear, listen, see, scroll past or whatever um, is is a product of of marketing and trying to sell a product a certain way. Uh, and I think the most glaring example of that that I can think of right now that is the most damaging example of that is the word woke. Mm. Mm -hmm. it, it used to mean one thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now it's it's a slur, you know, now. Yeah. And there there is a there was a concerted effort, a literal marketing campaign that was put together to make that happen, to change mm -hmm. the meaning of that word so that it was a bad word, so that it could be weaponized against the people that were using it, that created it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and and that is frightening, that even though people who have lived in this this place, this, this world with this constant 24-7 marketing hitting us all the time, uh, that you don't even realize when you're seeing advertising yeah. sometimes, it's just so yeah. integrated into your daily, uh, you know, routines and... Uh, everything you touch, see, smell, wear, like <laughs> it's yes. everywhere. Yes. That manipulation like that can still take place because someone knew that it was going to work and they knew how to execute that and pulled it off. And that is the kind of thing where I just go like, I need to get out of here. I'm going to go watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go watch the stupid version of Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many real life villains out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, thank you for actually taking time and talking to me today. I really appreciate it. We've been talking about doing this episode with you uh, since I had the idea to do this spinoff of TIR. So I appreciate you hanging out with me. I know you're a busy person. Those scripts are very involved. You're not just reading one Wikipedia article when you're doing uh, your show. And, Always a pleasure. Uh, 
I appreciate you and opening my eyes to other fun toy content creators. Good, good, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm jealous that I don't get to go to some of these toy conventions um, that you get to go to and speak at. It's fun. Uh, but it's a, it's uh, a weird speaking. place. To be. I, I posted a picture on Twitter the other day that I was like, you know what? This is the picture I'd send back to 1985, you know, nine-year-old Dan. And, and you would have no idea. Nine-year-old Dan would have no idea what the future was you know, YouTube and, and talking yeah. about cartoons all day and writing scripts and making jokes about GI Joe and stuff. like, what even is this? <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, Dan, thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, do you have any uh, public appearances that you're, you're plugging? Nothing coming up. No, I think we might be done for the year. We just, uh, we got a, uh, we've been working on our, our Halloween special every year for Halloween. We do like a, a special kind of video, you know, something that's a little outside of what we usually do. Never gets any views, but it's, it's important to us to indulge ourselves and have some fun and, and just take some chances and do something different. Your Sepentor thing is still classic. That is very classic. I, I try to write that into every video, but <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work in most places. The cop between the costume and the whole bit. I loved it. Uh, he is Dan Larson. His show is Toy Galaxy. Wherever you're watching or listening to the show, there are links in the description to Toy Galaxy. Again, Dan, thank you very much. The, the latest, you. depending on when you're going to listen to the show, the latest episode is for Toy Galaxy is about G.I. Joe, the movie where you can see Sepentor's creation, and then you can go back and watch Dan Larson make a Sepentor Halloween costume out of, I think you said you spent, what, like 10 bucks on it? It's really good. It's it's a, it's an Aquaman bodysuit. <laughs> like a foam core helmet with googly eyes on it. <laughs> I saw it. I was like, this guy's a damn fool. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank and you, we are out. <laughs>